Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. If there was a three-step process to make sure you were, one, communicating and receiving supporting documentation from your real vendor, two, making sure the information on that supporting documentation was accurate, and three, once in your vendor master file, having a control in place to make sure that it really was requested by your vendor, would you use it? Well, here it is. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 144. Implement a three-step process to change vendor banking and avoid fraud. So I don't talk about it enough on the podcast, uh, but I really do have a three-step process that all of my content is based on. All of my podcasts, all of my blogs. I now have a, a fairly new YouTube channel with Vendor Master File Tips of the Week, um, all my webinars. Everything I do is all based on a three-step process. And that process is authentication, validation, and management. So authentication is the first step, and that's where you have confirmation of the vendor data source or the delivery method so that you can verify who you are communicating with and who you're accepting documents documents from. The second step is validation. So once you have authenticated who you're getting the information from to set up your vendor or to change vendor information, then you need to take that documentation and the data on that documentation and confirm that it is accurate. Now, the third step is once is management. And once you have authenticated who gave you the information, validated that the information is correct, now you have to um, manage that information that you have entered into your vendor master file. And with that comes lots of internal controls and best practices. But I always say this step is really important because this is where you maintain your information by either inactive 
activating vendors that you no longer do business with. And then the vendors that remain revalidating that data so you can make sure that that information remains valid. But I am going to use that in a slightly different way in this process uh, that we're talking about today to change vendor banking and avoiding fraud. So on that note, let's just jump right into it. So applying the authentication validation management three-step process to changing vendor banking, again, we're going to start with authentication. And here is really two parts to it. The first part is authenticating the requester. So you need to know that who you are dealing with is the actual um, vendor, your real vendor. So let me just say that if you have a vendor self-registration portal and your vendor has logged in and hopefully there's MFA, uh, multi-factor authentication to make sure it is the vendor, that really is the authentication. So if they log into the vendor portal and they either update the information, the banking on their own, on their profile, or if they upload um, documentation to give to you um, to, uh, to update that information in their ERP, then that's fine because the login process of that vendor portal has uh, authenticated who they are. Uh, but if they haven't done that and you receive those documents via email, then you need to act like your bank acts when you try to call them or communicate with them um, related to or regarding your account. They're not just going to talk to you. They are going to ask you two to three um, validations that authenticate you are who you say you are. And you need to do the same thing with your vendors. So request confirmation of two to three validations that only the vendor or employees of the vendor would know. Have four or five or more to choose from so that the same questions are not asked each time. And make sure that you have some type of a matrix and you identify um, those options so that whoever you have answering the phone and your accounts payable um, help desk or your um, vendor team help desk, make sure that they have a copy of that. And then the next thing is, is you need to authenticate the data. So once they successfully authenticate, um, so once your vendor requester successfully authenticates themselves, instead of just accepting their banking details on company or bank letterhead, which can be forged, um, or only requiring those requiring those documents, send them a company branded ACH form and require authentication on the form. Ask them for things like the existing banking details. Because my thought process is if they don't know the existing bank details, then do they really have the authority to change um, the banking details and change where those payments are going? You can also ask for things like their tax ID. That's another piece of authenticating data. You can also ask for things that might help you in the setup or update process like their remit address um, or their vendor ID if you think they have it. Um, so you can ask for those types of things. I do have a vendor banking form that I have on my site. It is a paid resource, but it is a template that all you have to do is customize. And on that template, I ask for all of those things plus 
I ask for their uh, department contacts. So who at um, your company um, requested their services, requested their goods, um, so that you can reach out to them if you have any suspicions about that vendor. So you can ask for that too. And that's on the form, the company branded ACH form that's on my site. All right, so that's authentication, the first step. Now, once you have authenticated um, the requester and you've sent them that company branded ACH form, you're gonna get that company branded ACH form back. And let me just also say that if there was a froster or cyber criminal that made it past authentication, they're not going to take the time to gather that information for that company branded ACH form, especially if you're asking for existing banking details, their tax ID, uh, a person at your company that they are communicating with. Again, it makes it harder for them and they're just going to go to the next uh, uh victim or potential victim uh, where they don't ask as many questions or require um, more than just that um, company branded or company or bank letterhead, which again can be forged. So you're making them work. They're going to go to the next one. Um, so now that you've received that company branded ACH form back, you want to validate the bank data. Now you definitely want to validate the routing um, ABA number, SWIFT or BIT code to make sure the payment will be successful. So you can't um, ignore the bank branch details. Um, banks merge and are acquired often. So you need to make sure you're using the right bank branch details um, and also that the routing number can be used for the type of payment that you're trying to make because some banks, the ACH um, or wire payment, there could be two separate routing numbers um, for those depending on the bank. So you do need to make sure of that. Now, I also have a, uh, or I talk about bank account ownership and that validation. And I'm actually going to include a link to a recent webinar that I did called Best Practices for Collecting and Validating Vendor Banking Details You Receive Via Email. Now, I want to save that bank account ownership validation for that webinar because I do talk about it, but I also invited two additional folks uh, as hosts on that webinar. So I have NS Knox, um, which is a uh, a company that has a platform that does or provides bank account validate ownership validation via a pre-note process. And then we also brought on a customer of theirs who talked about the pain points um, prior to uh, using that solution. And then um, they talk about what their process looks like now after they've implemented it. So it's worth a watch. And so I will include a link to that webinar in the accompanying blog that will be linked in the show notes. So make sure you check that out because um, you do want to hear about bank account ownership. That's another validation that should be done. Now, the third step, management, 
once you have authenticated by requiring authentication of the sender and uh, authentication of the data received, once you validated the bank account and then updated the, your vendor record in your vendor master file, you need to let the vendor know that their information has been updated by sending them a notification. So it's the same way that your bank, um, Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, anyone online that you have changed where um, your information has changed in their system, they will let you know. And then they'll also say, if you did not initiate that change, then contact us. And again, you need to do the same thing with your vendors. This way, if somehow fraud and that fraudulent data did get through to the vendor master file, the vendor has a chance to contact the vendor team either before a fraudulent payment is made um, or before they notice the payment is missing, which increases your chances of recovery of the payment. So I know you're going to say a lot of vendors will not read the email um, and maybe you don't even have email addresses. And so one, if you don't have email addresses, you need to require them, which I'm sure you're doing now. But if you have vendors in your vendor master file that don't have email addresses, you need to clean that part up and add those email addresses because that's how you're going to get these notifications to them faster. I mean, I will say that um, we have had in the past when I've implemented that, we've had to send it at, um, as regular mail. And you know, some of your accounts do that as well. So it's no shame to send by mail, but it's faster to send by email and both can still be faster than a vendor not um, noticing that a payment is missing because we've all had that happen where a vendor will contact us a month or six weeks after the um, uh, payment has not been made fraudulent or not and they're going to check up and follow up on that payment well if you sent them a notification that their payment information changed they are definitely going to get it quicker than that whether you send it by email or by regular mail. So make sure you do those three steps, authentication, validation, and management, so that you can make sure that you are avoiding fraud and uh, making sure that what's in your vendor master file is accurate and you're not making a fraudulent payment that you are paying the right vendor. All right, so I talked about the on-demand webinar, best practices for collecting and validating vendor banking details you receive via email. And you do want to watch this on-demand webinar for, again, more best practices for updating your vendor banking. I have more information in each one of the three steps. And again, you get to see a demonstration of NSNAX's solution for bank ownership validation and hear from a customer using the solution and the pain points um, that it solved. Now, I do have a full e-guide on my authentication validation management process. It includes five authentication techniques, 12 internal controls, and over 13 best practices. And again, I will have a link to that in the accompanying blog post that will be linked in the show notes. Now, if you implement what's in the e-guide, there will be less potential for fraud, um, 
regulatory fines or bad vendor data. So it's really worth a read. It's 66 pages and I'm not like a lot of fluff. Um, and so the e-guide is not written that way. It is only bullet points and action items. I know AP, we're all type A personalities. We don't have time for all the fluff, bullet points and action items. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 144th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.